0: It's so incredible the way that as we learn more about something or start to think of ourselves as an expert or a master in something, the less open we are to new ways of seeing that thing.
1: Good morning, or afternoon, you know, or evening, whenever and wherever and whatever you are, welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are just trying to make the world 10% nicer by every means necessary. Those wise words you heard up front were spoken by today's guest, Monica Canfield-Lenfest. Monica is many things, but what we're going to talk about today is her work as a healer, As a clairvoyant, as someone who is directly helping others and who knows, who knows, who knows, just might be able to help you. If, like me, you're a skeptic about the whole psychic thing, the clairvoyant thing, you know, I think this episode is for you. Monica offers clairvoyant readings, meditation workshops, and ceremony that offer a sacred mirror for your personal evolution. In addition to her healing work, her career has been dedicated to transforming the personal, interpersonal, and communal conditions of our world. She helped create the Healthy Minds Program, a really cool mobile app that helps train your mind in awareness, connection, insight, and purpose through guided meditations and scientific podcasts. Today, she's helping build a new program called Architecting Curiosity, which we're going to talk a lot about in this podcast. Uh, Because if you're interested in a long, quality life, curiosity is The key, capital T, capital K, the key ingredient. Well, that and love. I kind of think they require each other. Curiosity and love, I really do. They kind of nestle against each other and feed each other. You can't have one without the other. I guess you could have curiosity without love, but ugh, gross. Monica has been offering clairvoyant sessions for the past six years following training at Psychic Horizons in San Francisco. As a clairvoyant, she can see energy as images that represent beliefs or patterns. That are ready to shift rather than predicting the future or providing advice this gentle yet empowering style of healing helps you see your own information more clearly and release what's no longer serving you okay there's a surprise segment ahead which i wanted to keep as a surprise but i'm not i'm gonna ruin it right now i'm gonna ruin it so check it out monica and i do an impromptu clairvoyant reading in this podcast episode yeah psychic reading we do Yeah, on me. Not on her, on me. Yeah, it's skeptic meets psychic smackdown. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, Since this episode lands just a few days before Monica's next Architecting Curiosity Workshop, Super Nice Club members and listeners can use promo code, catch this, check it out, Super Nice. Who would have thunk it? Super Nice at architectingcuriosity.com to get 30% off when you register for the February Workshop. But you got to do it now. Uh, 30%. That's a lot. Imagine if like your arms were suddenly 30% shorter or your tongue, you'd be like a mute T-Rex, you know? So 30% could be a life changer. Don't forget to pick up your super nice swag at superniceclub.com. We have great hats. Our Tower Record tribute shirts are back. They're so cool. I used to work at Tower Records. Great place. Uh, and our best selling don't be a dick hoodies are well, they're best selling. So get one for someone you love who needs to wear that reminder on their chest. Yeah, superniceclub.com. No discount, no discount code because, you know, our margins aren't super nice. And businessy people tell us that you need to have nice margins to stay in business. Whatever, nerds. Okay, so turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work. Monica, Monica Canfield Lenfest, welcome to the Nice Work podcast. Good morning. Happy 11, 11 a.m.
0: Good morning. Great to be here.
1: Where's here for you? Where are you at? Where are you located right now?
0: I am located in Piscinas, California. Um, It's a rural community. Uh, I live out uh, on a Piscinas ranch, which is uh, about an hour south of San Jose, California. Okay. It's a rolling oak savannah. Where I am.
1: Piscinus. You know, I've lived in California nearly my entire life, except for two years. And that is, I thought I knew all the towns. Is it weird that I don't know Pisces? No, it's
0: okay. not. But even friends of mine who grew up in the Bay Area, you know, within two hours of here have never been over here. So it's, we're in this sort of unique little pocket, um, of, of California, rural California. I is there like a downtown Piscina's?
1: Is there like a town there?
0: Um, not really. It's funny. We have a general store and there's a sign on the general store that says, welcome to downtown Piscina's.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, and on I like the it. back
0: of the general store, that's where our post office is. So
1: I like that. that a lot. Well, we have a super nice <laughs> club member now in Piscina's. Piscina's, California. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm Thank sure you. there's a lot of <laughs> listeners in Piscina's. <laughs> At least one. (laughs) At least one. Um, Cool. Well, hey, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. And let's just dive in here. What do you, what's the best way to, how do you introduce yourself when people say, hey, what are you all about? I mean, you're doing a lot of things, but what's your current introductory expression?
0: Yeah, I introduce myself as a healer and a teacher who is committed to transformation. Um, that I believe that personal transformation will empower people to lead us through the societal transformation that's necessary for our time.
1: Yeah, I mean, what what is society but people, right? A, a, hopefully, a connected web of people.
0: Exactly, and the more connected we are to ourselves and to our to our environment, to the other beings that are here with us the more connected we can be to each other and to our the collective good.
1: And that's what I love. That's why I wanted to talk to you today is, you know, super nice club. We're trying to make the world uh, 10% nicer by every means necessary, by any means necessary. And just going through the world, I don't think I'm alone. Uh, I don't think I'm, uh, paranoid when, especially during this time that we're facing right now with the plague, Uh, of this increasing disconnect between people, the the increasing disharmony, the silly arguments we get into the divisiveness. Of course, I'm talking mostly about the United States because that's where I live, but boy, it's tough out there.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, it seems like there's so many ways for us to see our differences, but the, i love I love your approach here of of trying to find ways for people to connect to each other and and sharing stories about our, our paths in our lives as a, a way for people to find connection. It's really powerful
1: and so what are you doing specifically? Uh, let's just start with one part of to to help people connect
0: yeah, so um I've been working with uh, uh, my two collaborators. Uh, on Pim and Anthony are these amazing, experienced designers uh, who I've been working on this, this project called Architecting Curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so, it, this Architecting Curiosity is uh, a sort of school and training ground for developing a curious mindset. So we have principles that we work with and these experiential courses that we've been doing all over Zoom because here we are in <laughs> this an en- enduring time of remote connection. Um, but the the Curiosity Project is really is really a way for people to connect to the world through a lens of curiosity that, you know, it's so easy to be closed off to new ideas or new people, or think we already know something about someone else or about, about an idea that we might say, no, 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 that doesn't fit with what I know. But if I can bring curiosity to that new idea, then maybe there's a, there's an opportunity Uh, to grow and to change and to to show up uh, in the uncertainty of the world. Uh, I really am seeing curiosity as one of the big foundational tools that we're going to need to continue to navigate this time and whatever comes next.
1: Yeah, that's so great to hear. And Anthony, folks, is Anthony Rocco, who uh, I have had the pleasure of meeting and spending time with in my home. So shout out to Anthony. Anthony, thank you for connecting uh, Monica and I together. You are a connector and a kind soul for doing it. So big thank you. Uh, our uh, curiosity, though, curiosity is something that I kind of feel like a lot of us would agree that it's the fountain of youth in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. when when you're still curious about the world around you. I also think that when you ask a hundred people, "Are you a curious person? Do you have curiosity?" a hundred people would say yes. Right where where do you feel why do you think that is why do you think everyone thinks they're curious but in reality when we have conversations when we're out in the world we really do notice that a lot of people just aren't anymore they're they're in a rut or they have these these sort of societally imposed blinders on
0: That's a good question Todd. You know, I think that people want to people like to think of themselves as curious because it sounds good <laughs> um it seems <laughs> it seems like of course i'm curious of course i yeah i'm a curious person but it, it's interesting i uh heard a quote from Jud brewer recently saying that the mm. some i'm you know not this might not be exactly the quote but something to, along the lines of once you once you begin to consider yourself a curio- curious person that's when you stop being curious is it's almost like this claiming of oh yeah i'm curious doesn't allow for the possibility of actually being curious right so i might say oh yeah i'm i'm totally open-minded i'm totally curious but then something comes to me that doesn't i don't agree with doesn't fit with my worldview and i say no that's not that's not worth me even considering but th- I think what's hard is that, you know, our brains are wired to try to make sense of the world, right? And so the simpler we can see the world as, okay, this is what I know, and this is what I don't know, and this is what's true, and this is what's not, and, the, you know, the sort of black and white thinking,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think uh, evolutionarily, our brains kind of evolved in a way that could see things that were new as a threat. So curiosity is sort of the antidote to that that allows us to see new ideas as possibility and that it is an innate state to say, oh yeah, a hundred people say, yeah, I'm curious. But then in the day to day of how we navigate our lives, there's a million things we need to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the kids have to be fed dinner and the. You know, you got to pay your bills and da 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 da. But the 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 possibility of it kind of gets lost when when you're just looking for that sort of what's the answer.
1: It does, and it seems like we get penalized sometimes for being curious, right? Uh, you don't want to be that yeah. kid daydreaming out the window, uh, or if you're at work and you're uh, trying to pursue a path that isn't specifically prescribed uh, by your your work, you know, your assignment. Uh, then you're quote unquote wasting time, and it's. We also live in an era of increasing, you know, hyper specialization, right? And that's how you make the most money: is you're going to be a specialist, and you're told to be a specialist. You're told to study specialties, and that doesn't leave a lot of time when you're a hyper specialist to be curious about what's outside your specialty, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think to the point of, oh, this is the way you're successful. This is the way to make a lot of money is to specialize and just get really hyper focused, you know, plays into these sort of old structures of the way that we're supposed to be a certain way. But the more curious we are, the more we begin to question the way we're supposed to be, the way that things are supposed to be, which is a threat to the system itself.
1: And there are a lot of people out there. I know you, I know you listening right now and you're, you, you specialize and you're really good at what you do, but sometimes you're sitting there at your desk wondering, ah, what is there? What else is there? I, I know that there's more to me. That person right there, architecting curiosity, your workshops, what do they do for that person?
0: Hmm. Yeah, these workshops are great for that person. Um, so what we have done is we've developed this framework of these six principles that sort of they're working principles that you can apply to your own life to get more curious about what's around you. And maybe that will come within your work, right? If you have mm-hmm. a specialization and and you might see a new idea or or move a little bit outside of what your comfort zone has been in the past, but it also more likely will apply to your everyday life or to, to a side project that maybe you haven't had the energy to pay attention to. Um, So the, the principles themselves are, um, if, if it would make sense for me to just like go through them a little bit, I could yeah. kind of dig into what these are. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Great. So the first is observing using all your senses to notice what's around in the moment. So I could invite you Todd this re- even right now, just mm-hmm. to take a moment to see like, what's, what's in your space. Like, what are you noticing? What's, what's coming up for you?
1: Physically or in my internal space.
0: Um, either way, however you want to answer the question.
1: Okay. Um, I've been noticing as we've been talking, and please don't take this as my not paying attention. I just, um, I've just i been noticing a lot of little filaments, little spider webs in mm. this podcast booth. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of daddy long legs in here. And I know those aren't actually spiders, but I don't know what the name of the insect is. Uh, so I've been noticing that. And I've been noticing the, the light in here is just so great. It makes me happy. It's just very softly warm. It's just barely warm. I've been noticing those two things. And then your voice, you know, when you're talking to someone on a podcast, at least when I do, I have headphones on. And so that person is really inside you <laughs> in a way, you know, when, cause you're listening to them, not like you do when you're talking across a room where you have a focal point, um, but they're they're you're in stereo and you really, the words are very, uh, um, they're magnified, right? The conversation is is it's more like reading a book. There's a lot of imagination that happens because it's pretty immersive. Does that make sense? How I just explained that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. yeah.
0: I love that. I mean, I think honestly, that it, what you just described—the experience of of my voice being in your headphones—is actually why I love listening to podcasts and radio in general. In in that, it's there's this level of Connection and intimacy that comes from just the sound of someone's voice or the conversation that's that's really connective. Yeah, I love that, and I, it's also amazing. I can picture, in I can picture the webs that you're describing and the light coming through. I don't know if the light is coming through the webs in the booth that you're in or not, but I'm sort of picturing in my mind that yeah. the spider webs. i'll give you the, i'll give you the webs. rest
1: of it this will this will flesh it out for you um i'm in a tiny tiny little pool house sort of bathroom <laughs> it's maybe right. six feet long by four feet wide it's the potty cast but it's i like it it's very calm there's an el mariachi poster on the wall a mirror some technical equipment it's not fancy it's not like uh you know a joe rogan podcast right yeah Anyway, sorry to burst the bubble, listeners. <laughs>
0: uh, everybody's so disappointed. i so,
1: <laughs> but it's actually really comfortable in here. I like it a lot. Um, I do. Anyway, uh, so that was what I was observing. Um, yeah. That's that's principle number one.
0: Number one. So we start with observing because it's important to be where we are and and start from there and just really notice and. I wonder if there were some aspects of what you just described that you were less aware of before I asked you to share.
1: I think so. The one that I was less aware of was the light. Uh, The webs I've been noticing since I walked in, and so I've been sort of fixating on them. Uh, The light was something that once you asked me to notice something, because the light was illuminating the thread. I apologize, listeners. I just have gone down a real big rabbit hole on this, so... um, You know, you just had to, you just got subjected to a bunch of descriptions of a bathroom. Anyway, (laughs) feel free to skip ahead until we get to the next principle.
0: (laughs) Well, let's get there. (laughs) Um, So the next, the next principle is actually suspending, uh, which is temporarily being open to the possibility of something new, which I actually feel like your, uh, your description of your sound booth is actually a really perfect example of suspending, (laughs) right? Like, can I be, can I open to the possibility that you are comfortably recording this podcast from bathroom?
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Why not? Why not? And, and I think the other piece of this too in practice is the noticing the ways that our expectations or beliefs about how something should be or might keep us from experiencing it fully, right? Like, like if I, for example, it was like, wow, you're in a bathroom, like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I can't do this interview anymore, <laughs> Like I gotta go that would be an
1: extreme. I would be crushed.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I invite your listeners to also suspend the, and be open to the possibility of a great podcast coming out of a pool bathroom.
1: It's <laughs> yeah. so the suspending the temporarily uh, being open to the possibility of something new is how you have it written um, yeah. on architecting curiosity.com. Now, is, would that be something like if I'm going into a conversation with, say, what are two very, oh, I know right now this is current, there's like um, people who are in, in uh, favor of vaccines and there are people who are against vaccines, right? And right now they don't talk to each other very well in society. So if you're going to go have a conversation with whoever's the other side, you're probably not going to be permanently open to their point of view, but you want to have a conversation. So that is that what you're talking about, the temporary, just for the moment of interaction? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's important. It's really important to, to, to go into a conversation and, and know that you might not know everything.
0: Exactly. And maybe taking it one step further, recognize that the things that you think, you know, might actually keep you from learning something new.
1: Mm -hmm. That happens to me all the time. I look back. I mean, I think most Mm -hmm. of us, right. We look back and geez, you know, I used to believe this and now I believe that. And if someone that might be a good exercise, think of something, folks, that you now believe 180 of what you used to believe and ask yourself, what would the conversation have looked like that could have convinced me otherwise? Was there an approach that somebody could have used? That's, I'm, I've never thought of that before. That's I, To me, that's an interesting exercise. Yeah. And, you know, what state of mind would, have I, would I have had to have been in to be open to that conversation? So that is suspending. We have observing and suspending, and what's number three? The next
0: principle is apprenticing. Ooh. So you, yeah, so using your beginner's eyes, mind, and heart to learn by doing. So that's just taking it out of the realm of thought and and reflection, observing and suspending, and then bringing it into actually trying new things or ch- trying things another way. Mm.
1: And that can be, if you are already expert in this area, isn't it interesting how sometimes there's that thing called beginner's luck? Do you ever notice that, that mm. somebody who's brand new to something that you're teaching them has a, just an a, a innate or natural observation that blows your mind?
0: Yeah, it's so valuable. It's so incredible the way that as we learn more about something, or start to think ourselves of ourselves as an expert or a master in something, the less open we are to new ways of seeing that thing
1: mm. that 's so true that 's so true i 'm um, very guilty of that yeah, so apprenticing what does that look like so you're i, I don 't want to stop well, I want to get through these, but when you're when you 're teaching these, what does that look like? these grounding principles in your workshop? Is this something that you spend? time on each one in conversation? Are there materials that are associated with each of these? What, is it, what does it look like to go through these?
0: Yeah, we speak about each, each one, but we really set it up as more of an experiential approach to the principles, right? We, you know, there's, It's easy to say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to observe, but the way that I just had you observe was actually embodying observing in your Mm -hmm. own experience. And so that's really what we seek to do in, in our classes. So um, for example, we do this four week, follow your curiosity course. The first week is a, you know, we do an hour long session on zoom. That's mostly experience, some talking, some lecture, but it's a lot of connective activities and we focus on observing and suspending first Mm -hmm. together because they really they really pair together as a sort of sewing of curiosity like what am I observing what am I suspending and so uh, we do that both in your own internal reflections of trying things on but then also in connecting with others where we'll do you know breakout activities um, and then also we have a, a a pretty basic text-based app that prompts you every day with different activities throughout the course to observe and suspend in your own life and okay, apply to, those. Yeah, to p-
1: apply the principles. Yeah, that's important daily. Apply if the I, principles. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to learn anything new, I have to have. I have to have daily reminders. I set daily reminders on scraps of paper, on my phone, you name it. That's the only way that that I can get into an effective new routine. Uh, So let's let's run through the rest of these principles. Um, What do we do? We did the fourth one. What's the fourth one of six?
0: Yeah. So we had observing, suspending, apprenticing. And then after apprenticing comes ritualizing which is intentionally exploring a sequence of activities. And so we think of like apprenticing is learning the steps of the dance.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Ritualizing is dancing to the music once you have, once you understand the steps and not needing to really think about the steps themselves, but rather embracing the dance as a whole, if that makes sense.
1: It does. So this is where the sage burning would come in, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, that's fair enough. So so with ritual, I think what we really love to think about ritualizing as seeing that our lives can be a sequence of activities as a ritual, right? So Going and making a cup of tea before mm-hmm. you sit down to to journal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there are a lot of different ways you could do that. Some of them are like, oh, I'm looking at my phone the whole time, or I'm, you know, I'm thinking about the other things I have to do later or whatever. Or I can intentionally be with the experience of okay, I'm going to fill up the water. Now I'm going to put the kettle on. I'm going to. Take a few moments to breathe and look out the window while the water heats up. I'm gonna prepare my cup. I'm gonna watch the water, fill the cup, and wait until it steeps and then drink my tea and find a place in the light where I love the lighting and I can sit with my journal and my tea and begin. That it really allows for a certain level of awareness and presence to the practice itself. And I guess seeing seeing more of the aspects of our lives, maybe as not so much as habit, mm-hmm. but as intentional activity. It's great to have healthy habits. I'm a big <laughs> proponent of well-being in general and having having regular routines that support that are really important. And if I'm like, oh, I'm, this is my habit because I brush my teeth every day, twice a day, because I know it's good for me, but I'm not, that's more of just a healthy habit. Whereas ritualizing really brings in this intentionality It does to the practice.
1: And I think a lot of us have heard the, the phrase, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Right, A lot of, if your parents, you tell your kids that all the time, how you do on things, how you do everything. It's like, you know, it's like, if you're going to keep your room clean, it's how you keep your life as it ritual too? ritual is such a, I mean, it's such a ritual resilience. These words that are, that are all current right now, because societally we, we feel we need them. You know, we're so. We're so um, high strung. We move too fast. We talk too, I talk too fast. Oh my God. Um, We talk too fast. We do everything so speedily. And if you were listening a moment ago, folks, as Monica described calmly, unlike how I talk, uh, filling the water, getting the glass, making the tea, Versus what do most of us usually do when we're having tea or juice or coffee in the morning? It's just like you you yank open the fridge, you grab the thing, you fill it up, you you drink it, you're on the go, people are barking at you. The difference between, I have found um, when I try to be consistent with this, between having some sort of ritual or just call it slowing down if you want, being thoughtful, mindful, whatever words you want to use, it might take an extra 60 seconds to create that experience of having tea. To actually look where your hand is going as you select the cup pick it up nicely and it's so calming it sets the tone for the whole day and imagine if you can take that calm sense of mind once you ritualize it just in let's say making tea or coffee and then you learn to extend that in small moments throughout your day it's a it's a big life changer it really is to find those moments of calm in a hectic day make you more productive they make you smarter. They make you more creative. And best part is, they make you more likable, right? Because you're, you know, if if you struggle like me, uh, to, you know, I have like a uh, resting jerk face when I'm working throughout the day, and I'm not even aware of it, just because I'm so intensely occupied in that moment. Uh, if you struggle with that at all, having these little moments, these little rituals, oh, God, they're so. Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for, Monica? It's not refreshing. Um,
0: grounding. Um, yeah,
1: that's probably what it was, grounding.
0: Yeah, because it really grounds you in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, Todd, it doesn't take that much longer. The tea, like water for the tea takes the same amount of time to <laughs> boil, whether you're with it or not. And so being, giving yourself the gift of being intentional with that time is actually this little space. It's like a little magic pocket of time that is yours if you want to to have it.
1: That's a great, that's a great reminder for us. You know, that water is going to boil, the, you know, the wash pot never boils. Uh, taking that moment to be, ah, uh, just be calm and human and thoughtful. That's the same thing when, when you're waiting for the elevator or mm-hmm. for the Uber or all these things, you know, we don't have to immediately reach for our phone to be distracted in that 20 second gap. We could use that 20 second gap to instead recharge our batteries a little bit. Anyway, that's ritualizing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I should have a whole podcast on ritual. That's, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I know it means a lot of different things, but maybe we could have, you know, four different types of ritual people. Um, that's a beautiful
0: idea. It would be cool. Love yeah. Well, yeah.
1: You can give me some ideas for that after after Great. we're done talking here.
0: Okay.
1: Um, what are the last two?
0: Okay. So, so we've done observing, suspending, apprenticing, ritualizing, and then comes gracing, grace, acting with beauty, love, humor, and ease. And so the idea behind this one is really that you know we've we've opened ourselves to the new ideas. We've observed. We've suspended. We've tried on new ways of of being with apprenticing, learned some new skills, practice bringing intention to that. And sometimes in all of that effort, we can begin to take it a little too seriously uh, in bringing such focus to what we're doing. And so the invitation of gracing is to let go a little bit Mm. and to allow beauty, love, humor, and ease to be a part of the practice that it's not just about learning the new thing or bringing the intention to the new things, but it's, there's a lightness to it, to the way that we act in our lives. And, and I think this fits very well with you know your project here that making the world 10% nicer, right? Is this, where is the love? Where is the humor and ease and the beauty that is here for us? Uh, and that we can bring that in our, in our own, way to our lives and to our interactions with other people. And we can also see that in others and see that in the world. I mean, I I am lucky enough to live on an expansive landscape where I get I get so much grace from the natural world. I mean, I think we all we all do when we have the opportunity, right? Like mm-hmm. the opportunity to go and walk among oak trees and see the birds flying above and connecting to the, the wonder of that, that, that brings so much grace. The beauty of that is, is a way for me to remind me to bring more of that to my next Zoom call <laughs> or my next phone call with someone, right? My next interaction that I can be inspired by the beauty of the natural world, to bring a bit more of that amazing amazing beauty, like I mean the fact that we're alive is such a gift. And I True. feel like being more connected with the natural world really gives gives me that reminder over and over again.
1: I agree. I think everybody listening to us, we all know what it's like to get outside and remember, except for those of us who are lucky enough to just be out there all the time, you know, um, and good for you. But for those of us who aren't, yeah, that reminder, it sure diminishes uh, a lot of our problems. It really does. It, it puts things in a really great perspective really quickly. And then.
0: Oh, I will just say that, that, you know, that doesn't, gracing doesn't just come from nature. So, you know, you can find, humor and ease and love in all kinds of ways, beauty in all kinds of ways in your life, that, that it might come from listening to a beautiful piece of music that you love, right? It's like mm-hmm. being with that, um, or even just the, the joy of, of humor, which I think, Todd, it seems like you have a pretty, pretty healthy sense of humor.
1: Oh, Thanks. Uh, humor is, humor is fantastic. It's, you know, humor is, a, it's a double-edged thing, right? Humors are really interesting, uh, feeling and experience. Um, and then from gracing, oh wait, you know what I ask about gracing. So gracing yeah. is that, you know, you've come through these, these other steps or these other, these aren't steps. This isn't a step. These are principles that are in total, a way of, of, uh, experiencing. Could you internalize these other principles? And then instead of gracing, you're preaching. Was gracing sort of antithetical to preaching? Or am I looking at that mm. wrong? You know, because sometimes people, they learn all this new stuff and look at me, I'm spiritual now. And then they they turn to become, uh, you know, they they can get sort of judgmental and preachy about their, their new path, right?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting, such an interesting way to think about it, Todd. Um, yeah, I think gracing it's we think of, this stage as letting go of the what we've learned in some ways, like holding it a little more lightly. Mm -hmm. So I think to your point of preaching or sort of feeling a need to bring what you what you've learned out into the world and say this is the right way to do it Mm -hmm. or whatever that sort of um, attachment to the practices, the principles in your own life. I think that gracing and the next principle flowing are really about letting go of the attachment to what you've learned and to to recognize that things change and continue to evolve and that the, the principles themselves are a cycle, that we move through and with ending with this last, this last principle of flowing, Mm -hmm. which is moving smoothly and continuously from moment to moment, really recognizing, really recognizing that things are always changing. (laughs) I think this, this time of uncertainty has really given us a lot of practice with this one of saying, Oh, I made a plan for You know, my partner and I were supposed to get married in May of 2020. That looked a lot different than we had planned. We had to flow with the, we had to flow with the conditions. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's external conditions, but then also sometimes it's internal. So the invitation here with flowing is to move slowly, smoothly and continuously from moment to moment and really let go of any attachment to where we think we're going with these practices and then finally you know we have these six principles but beyond that we actually in in our course um and in the ways that that we've been working with the with the principles we follow these all up with rest
2: Mm. um
0: so flowing leads to rest is really an opportunity to ground to let go fully of the journey that we've been on with what whatever aspect of life we've been working with Mm -hmm. and integrate and reflect on what it is that we have been learning which really allow this resting really allows us to to be ready to begin again
1: and where is that, that resting in your daily life? Is that something where rest is sort of a, an always on? Or are you, when you say rest, is that something that you build in to your ritual? I'm trying to figure out exactly where, or is that more of an internal state?
0: I would say it's, it's more of um, resting is taking like a full day or half a day. Mm. intentionally to say, okay, I'm going to take a break from this thing. Or maybe if you have longer than that, it's like, okay, I'm going to take a week off and be on retreat. (laughs) if You have Mm -hmm. the privilege Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, Just to take a break from, from the doing of it.
1: Rest days, people who work out a lot, you understand the importance of rest days, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and if you can't, if you don't take rest days, you don't build your muscles as well. You actually get fatigue and, and it, it is counterproductive to all that hard work you're doing in the gym. People who don't do rest days a couple of times a week, um, end up getting really hurt. So, you know, if you can, if, if that, if you understand the whole rest day idea from working out, it's probably something similar. Yep. That's a
0: great, that's a great example.
1: Because I'm feeling this a lot, the grounding principles for me—I'm going to start playing them right away. Because I'm feeling this, I play a lot of pinball. I really love pinball, and uh, mm. you know, when next time I go up to a new machine, I'm going to observe that thing and really get a sense of it—the the lights, the graphics on the side—and then I am definitely going to be open to it because I love pinball, right? Even if it's a theme that I may not like, like NASCAR. I used to not play the themes that I didn't like, Metallica, NASCAR, these things, I'm going to now approach these pinball machines with uh, a new openness, thanks to our conversation. And then, you know, the first time I play, you know, a lot of times the first game, you just kill it, you crush it, you're apprenticing. Mm -hmm. And it's like the beginner's game. And then you learn the ramps as you ritualize it, you learn all the little uh, paths, the letters you need to hit, the different sequence of activities, literally. Uh, and then you just get into the Zen state of pinball and you start playing without thinking at all because you have become one with the machine. Um, yeah, this is. So if you're a pinball fan, I think that this course uh, might have the added benefit of, of winning you some pinball tournaments. I kind of went off on a, an aside. I love there. that. Apologies, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that is anything you do. Though. No, and seriously these these <laughs> principles are so beautiful and that they really do. I was just being goofy on pinball but they really do apply to to um a, a lot of things that we're doing and they would apply to parenting perfectly. If you want to put apprenticing you want to substitute that for trying to be a child again your child's mind remember what it was like, you know, to to be that person. Um, yeah, I, this is great. This is really great. Um, architectingcuriosity.com, folks. If you want to look at these principles, just go, it'll be in the show notes the link, but go to architectingcuriosity.com. Uh, and my super nice challenge for this episode today would be for you to take a look at them and then maybe um, try them out, try them out. But better than that, take a look at architectingcuriosity.com and see about, there's uh, courses, classes, uh, introductory, don't you have, do you do um, introductory Zoom calls that introduce you to the concepts of the courses from we time to do. time? So there's yeah, a mailing we, list for that folks, sign up to the mailing list and you yeah, won't miss we've anything. Been,
0: we've been doing those monthly. So okay. um, get on our list and you can find out when our next one is. And um, it's a 30 minute drop in, um, just getting, getting a sense of the principles and, and, and embodying a few of them. It's a, And it's, a really fun space to play. I think Todd, as you, as you really illustrated with your pinball example, right? Like that, it's it's serious, but it's not. Doesn't have to be serious, right? Like that. There's there's a lot of meaning behind these principles that we can apply it to serious things in our lives. But it's also there's a playfulness to what we're doing um, that we can really bring curiosity to our lives in these ways. Yeah.
1: So you didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm a healer. I'm a teacher. What's (laughs) up? Right. I, I mean, your journey was a long one. And from what I've read online, you know, we haven't spoken before, but it sounds really quite unique. Would you just for a second, please, uh, or for a minute or five minutes, whatever, how long it takes, uh, tell your story, your, your dad's story, your, um, winding road to, today's version of you, if you will.
0: Sure, thank you for the invitation, Todd. It's been it's been quite a road. I'd say that the call to do the work that is mine to do has always been hard to ignore for me. Um, I've always sort of believed that the next step would present itself and I would see if that was the right p- place to go. When I was seventeen, um I grew up uh, I grew up on the East Coast uh, in Vermont. And um, when I was seventeen, my dad came out to me uh, as transgender and began the process of transitioning from male to female. And that really shaped my life a lot in a way that I saw how incredibly valuable it is to be authentic to who you are I feel like she showed me in her transition that being true to yourself is really such a gift to the world and it was such a gift to me to become a young adult woman at the same time that my dad became a middle-aged adult woman <laughs> uh, and i uh, i sort of meandered through my early 20s, you know, as many of us do trying to figure out where we're headed and, and what's next. And um, I had sort of been waiting for for someone to write a guidebook or so, sort of guidebook. So when my dad came out to me, I remember that um, she handed me a pamphlet on like transgender 101 and I was like, okay, this is cool, but where's my pamphlet? Where's my pamphlet to say, okay, your dad just came out that they're that they're becoming a woman. Like, here's what's next. Like, that pamphlet did not exist at the time. And so um, in my mid-20s, I started volunteering with an organization called Collage, uh, which advocates for people with LGBTQ parents, and they, it was a really amazing opportunity to connect with other folks with queer family, and um, I had the opportunity to actually move to San Francisco uh, to work with Collage uh, about 15 years ago now, uh, and create the guidebook that I had wanted for myself um this kids of trans resource guide is what we called it at the time and the the organization published it and i was a i was on staff as a fellow for um nine months to complete that project uh so from there i continued to do work within The LGBT community and doing advocacy and then I was doing some more uh, freelance event management for other organizations. Eventually ended up for a while doing communications uh, for a local environmental organization and then I started to get more into my own healing. I had recognized that doing all this work to change the world was really amazing and impactful and that opportunity to slow down and say wow what do i need to get to sustain myself in continuing to show up to create a better world and so i started doing more meditation ended up uh, going through a clairvoyant training program Uh, At a school called Psychic Horizons in San Francisco, did a yoga teacher training, ended up working with an organization based out of Madison, Wisconsin, um, called Healthy Minds Innovations, which is really focused on the uh, benefits of well-being in the brain and, and the sort of science behind that. And worked with them on a program called the Healthy Minds Program, which is a really fabulous free meditation app um, that really guides you through the these teachable skills of, of well-being in um, meditation and the science behind it. And that gave me so much opportunity to really commit to my own work as. A healer and see that this is my work to do, actually, and that there are people in the world that want this and that see this. And I, this whole time for years, about the last seven years, have been sort of behind the scenes, behind my nonprofit jobs, just doing energy readings with people um, as a clairvoyant um, with friends or friends of friends. And um, in the midst of the pandemic, which you know has made a lot of us reassess what we're doing and how we're spending our time, uh, I decided to create a little more space for that in my life and really step forward into my work with what I call sacred mirrors healing, which is my uh, clairvoyant healing business, um, which I think pairs quite nicely with architecting curiosity work. And I've just been really grateful to be on this meandering journey that I've been on. And I'm not sure where I'm headed next, but I'm here for it. And the, the tools that I've developed over the years have really given me even more resolve and wanting to make the world a better place. And but as I mentioned, you know, my vision is to empower people to remember their innate wisdom and inter- interconnection with everything and through that to support collective transformation of our world.
1: I love your goal, obviously. And I, I share your goal uh, in uh, terms of, you know, what that would feel like for all of us. I'm not sure process or what it'll look like, but that's the exciting part of being alive, right? We get to, we get to experience that. Only a few yeah. of us get to know, you know, what it's going to look like in advance. And that would be, you know, clairvoyance. <sighs> I, I had to get one dumb clairvoyant joke in there. Uh, <laughs> Do so, not
0: predict the future.
1: Yeah. Right. When, <laughs> when did you know you were going to be a clairvoyant? Um, <laughs> but on that, on, on the, the profession of being a clairvoyant, is that something where, you know, cause we talk a lot on this podcast about making a leap of faith into, your, your chosen profession, your chosen career, you know, um, turning it from a passion into a career. Was there any sort of special hurdle there for you in terms of social acceptance, you know, like telling people, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a psychic, uh, within your family, within friends, or were you already in such a community that they were like, yeah, of course, duh.
0: You know, it's really interesting. I feel like the resistance came before I even made it to the training to do the clairvoyance. I feel like in, I was always very intuitive and sort of naturally empathic. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was really in my twenties, I was really committed to being in the world I was very resistant to the the spiritual realms in which I now find myself. And I think that my own skepticism um, of saying, you know what, I'm here to be in the world. I want to live in a city. I want to go to shows. I want to live my life and like have a career in the world and be doing these things. But what I've, what I've seen is that these things don't have to be separate mm-hmm. and that I think it helped a lot that I already had come out as queer. I already was had like a pretty non-normative lifestyle uh, by the time I was telling people that I was clairvoyant, but Mm -hmm. I will say that I just in the last probably six months, I've changed my LinkedIn profile to say that I do clairvoyance. um,
1: Mm -hmm. I noticed that. Yeah, no, I noticed that. that It made me think about, I'm like, dang,
0: that's
1: (laughs) like putting yourself out there because it's so much, maybe not in our listeners, but, you know, in a lot of, a lot of the world, people look a a bit askance at that. There's a lot of skepticism around um, clairvoyance. And I mean, I want to talk on that. I would consider myself a skeptic. You know, as I go through the world, I think that the term skeptic uh, gets a bad rap. I think the world would maybe be a lot nicer if there was a lot more skepticism, which is to say, you know, it doesn't mean that you are closed off to information. The term skeptical means that it's going to take a lot of good information and a lot of good facts, you know, and maybe science uh, to convince you, right? Now, I think the term skeptic has, has, more uh commonly known as somebody who is just shut down they're just they're not going to listen or not going to believe in anything like, we wouldn't have 20 million Americans out there believing it's time for an armed revolution for starters if there were more skeptics joe rogan wouldn't be heralded as a shining beacon of intellectual honesty if there were more skeptics so that's where i'm coming sorry if that turns a few people off i'm just saying it's an example That's where I'm coming from as far as my skepticism goes. You know, you'd have to dig really deep to convince me on, uh, for example, horoscopy, astrology. You'd have to really dig deep to convince me. You know, I consider myself deeply skeptical there. But something like what you're doing, something like tapping into energy and finding information in it, it seems plausible to me given that our very life force is, is energy right? It seems plausible to me that there are ways of communicating and that there there are sources of information that we currently are struggling to um, define and codify and are a little bit outside the current science. So I'm here to be convinced in talking with you. I'm here to be convinced anytime I'm talking with someone who has been to a clairvoyant or professes clairvoyant abilities, you know, I think that a world of clairvoyance would be awesome. That, I mean, that sounds fun. Like, I think that a world of of, of real magic would be awesome. Um, you know, people that can levitate and do stuff. I don't think that's impossible. I'm a possibilian, but I am skeptical about it. So, when you this is a long intro, sorry. When you encounter skeptics, do you ever convert them? Have you ever converted like somebody who's a, an, an open yet hardened skeptic?
0: yeah, I mean, I appreciate I appreciate your skepticism, Todd. I, I think what, one of the things that I really love about this, the techniques that I use is that mm-hmm. they are really grounded and that it's not what what i what I would share with you in in a reading would be more of a reflection back of the energy that is there in your space. Mm-hmm. in relation to the thing that you want to know about or that you're curious about and that it's less about me, you know, predicting the future or giving you specific advice about like you should you know, you should go and play the lottery on January 23rd because you will have a winning number, you know, stuff like that kind oh, of No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <you have> <laughs> I, unfortunately, I cannot help you with that. That would convert
1: um, me right away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I could tell you to. to yeah, that,
1: that's you true. Know, I, no guarantees.
0: So, what um, do you?
1: What is that? So, you do readings online and in person, correct?
0: Yes, mostly these days. It's been um, I do oh, just over the phone usually okay. versus online because I don't actually need to see the person. And they don't, I have have my eyes closed for it. So it's sort of, they don't need to see me (laughs) with my eyes closed for an hour. Do
1: you Um, find any difference in a a remote reading versus an in-person reading?
0: You know, not really. Actually, Hmm. I feel like the remote readings in some ways is it creates a really clear container for the session because there's no sort of distraction of meet, of meeting in a space that's unfamiliar to either the person I'm reading or to me, right? Um, if that okay. makes sense. So like it if does. you're in your pool house recording studio
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm in my room where I often do readings, if I sat and did a reading with you, like you're in a familiar space, I'm in a familiar space. And so that's a clear, it's sort of clear container versus like, oh, we're both in a shop where- right. Sort of unfamiliar, maybe you know, in another space. The amazing thing about the remote readings is that it's really energy, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. that's it doesn't require to be in the same physical space in order to see the energy. And I, you know, I do energy readings regularly with a friend of mine who is not even on the same continent. Okay. I mean, I get it. I think invite you to suspend even no, more.
1: No, <laughs> I, 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 no, I don't think, I don't think so. I think, like when, when I mentioned earlier about the sort of intimacy of uh, having someone in my ears directly. You know, there is no other distraction at all. The, their physical presence, their breathing, whatever, cars whizzing by. If I'm doing a remote podcast or something like that, it is definitely much more contained. I relate to that. I get it completely. You talk of your mission to reconnect people with their innate wisdom. Mm-hmm. Do you consider clairvoyance and we're using that, you know, do you consider clairvoyance or, or other uh, abilities to be part of this innate wisdom, something we're all born with, but we we forget it or we overlook it or we never cultivate it properly.
0: Hmm. I see clairvoyance as a, as a tool. Mm-hmm Um, that, you know, I think we, I think we all are born with a level of intuition. And I think that clairvoyance, which is seeing energy clairvoyance is something that can certainly be trained in anyone. I mean, that's the school that I went to certainly trains people who do and do not have a, a, a sort of awareness of their innate capacity already. But I think for me, clairvoyance is a way to help people see what they already know and allow that to empower them to take the action that they need to in their own lives. And that sometimes comes from their own ability to see what they know or mm-hmm. see the energy. And I think that the, the really the same way curiosity is innate, that like intuition is innate that there an it we we have inner wisdom that we are born with um, but that shows up in different ways for different people I think mm-hmm. one of the things that's been really interesting for me um, in my own life is digging into some of my some of my ancestry that there are there are there's are, there are intuitives in my family that I you know have We're not do not have it. We're not broadcasting what the access that they had in any form. Like I don't you know, I don't come from fortune tellers or anything, Uh, but I've I've learned more recently that there is a lineage that I'm a part of that's like biological Mm -hmm. and that that's a part of my that's a part of my own healing work of what I offer in the world. So I don't know that clairvoyance is necessarily the path for everyone, but I think that everyone could benefit from the sort of sacred mirror that I hold up, that clairvoyance can hold up to to see more clearly what's there.
1: I get it. I I think I'm getting you. So it's fair to say that we're all born, obviously, with the capacity for empathy. Um, Some of us see it you you see it in in a group of children. You'll see that some are just more natively empathetic uh, and others less so. It doesn't mean that they're better or worse people, uh, but there's just, you know, we're born with different, some kids uh, learn to read faster. Some kids, you know, we all have different sets of abilities, right? Some are stronger physically in certain areas. We're not um, born with the exact same amounts of every gift. Uh, And I guess that would be the same with, uh, clairvoyance. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. But we can cultivate all of it.
0: Exactly. We can right. cultivate.
1: Would you consider, yeah. uh, if you, if you're born with some innate clairvoyant gifts, does, do you equate that or do others equate, seem to equate that with having achieved some sort of spirituality or some sort of ascended state?
0: Mm. Not necessarily. Okay. I, you know, it's interesting. I actually feel like learning how to work with my gifts was what brought me toward a more of a feeling of spiritual proficiency or mastery is a Mm -hmm. strong word, but I would say that, you know, being naturally very sensitive was actually pretty hard. And painful to be able to pick up on so much information in from other people, or, you know, if I would go to a coffee shop and hang out, and I would pick up on the conversation that people were having, it, a few seats over and just like, it would like stick to me mm-hmm. for a while, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that happens to you, too. But but that really being able to cultivate these tools of saying, oh no, I'm actually just going to take in the information and the energy that is mine and allow what other other people's suffering to move through me. And then when I'm with someone, then that gives me more capacity to act when i in the face of suffering. I don't have to take it on as my own. And so I feel like the question around is is clairvoyance really a part of enlightenment it's I think that it it can lead to more clarity and spiritual information um but that this sort of innate capacity to like see and pick up on energy beyond beyond oneself is sometimes like really intense and uh, and overwhelming and potentially debilitating, that um, I think that especially for, yeah, especially for people who maybe don't have the tools, it can it can be, you know, might lead someone to like block off their connection to other people because it's too much
1: or maybe they don't Um, know why they feel crazy or anxious or what the root of their, of their anxiety is. They just say things like, I just can't be around big crowds of people. It drives me crazy. Maybe they're just getting a lot of energies in and it's, it's overwhelming and short circuiting their uh, their radio, their, their brain radio. Uh, I don't know. Just throwing stuff out there. I just, I brought it up because sometimes I sense that there are these sort of um, quote unquote spiritual hierarchies out there. You know, and they're, mm. they, they maybe they're often accidental, but it can make people feel like they don't want to open up or, or explore um, some of these things. If we could just knock those down a bit, we can invite more of the general population into uh, not feeling like seeking uh, a spiritual connection will isolate them from their existing community.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the, one of the things I love about the curiosity piece Mm -hmm. to bring that back in is that it recognizes that we could be open to new things without necessarily needing them to be our things, right? Like I can say, Oh, what does it look like to try, try out something new, but that I, I don't need to, I don't need to sign up for it. I don't need to commit to it. I can just see if that's something that I can be open to and maybe I'm maybe I am or maybe I'm not I mean the other thing that it brings up for me too is this idea of like energetic consent and how when we're picking up other people's information it's really easy to to just sort of cross a boundary Mm. and without someone's permission to say like oh I (laughs) noticed that this thing and like I'm just gonna kind of read the energy that I'm getting from you and that to me was always something that I was really concerned about and early on and just someone who was really naturally empathic like I didn't want to cross people's boundaries because I'd had that happen to me in my own life where like people who had psychic abilities would come up to me and say blah 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 like this thing and I was like no I don't I didn't ask you I didn't ask you for that information. Like, why are we talking about this right now? I didn't I, I. didn't say yes, I would like a reading right now. You just like walked up to me on the street and started telling me information that was coming through. And I think for me in my practice, it really does come down to asking permission from the other person to say, what, do I have permission to, to look at your energy today? And mm-hmm. that is how I begin every session. And that for me also gives me the freedom to not look when it's not in, when it's, when there's not permission. So it gives me permission to be in my own space and be more clear.
1: So it must be, sense. it must be, yeah, it does. Uh, it must be hard to date a psychic then, right? Because you <laughs> got to always be wondering, you know, are they reading my energy right now? You know, yeah. you you're in bed, you look over and it's like, what? What are you? Are you just are you just gazing at me, or are you gazing at me? You know, which right. is it? I can't tell. Um, right. Is that ever? So I mean, that's I where don't...
0: the consent, the right. energetic consent, comes in yeah. really handy when it comes to dating. And I mean, I will say that was something when I met my partner. Um, I had just I was just starting my clairvoyant training at that time, and uh, and I I remember that I remember the conversation where I shared with him that I. Was starting this program to learn how to be a clairvoyant, mm-hmm. and I was. And to your point of like having to come out about this professionally, it was definitely a moment of of like, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. And he was like, oh, that's cool,
1: and so yeah. I I mean, to, <laughs> full disclosure. I I years and years ago, I dated uh, a. a great woman uh we did for like five years uh who went to uh clairvoyant school in san francisco and she um part of her income was as a phone psychic and i don't recall i mean i was young i was 20 years old i don't remember that ever being um an issue like i never thought boys is, is she uh you know reading me right now it never came up it was just yeah. you know, a very normal um part of, of our relationship. I I don't know if I was a skeptic about it. I don't know. I don't, I don't really remember. It just, it seemed perfectly fine.
0: Yeah. I will say that my partner and I do like, we do have a agreement where, you know, I don't do readings with him. Okay. Right. Like, so he, like, if he wants to get a a clairvoyant reading, then I'll usually refer him to somebody who I know in my network, in my psychic friends network. (laughs)
1: I have one? <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I never- Different than I never... the
0: one on TV, but I do actually have Psychic Friends Network.
1: Do <laughs> you? Hey, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. You know, when I say, when I was talking about being a skeptic, I think a lot of that comes from just things like you're saying, Psychic Friends Network, the things you see on TV, the yeah. people, the, the way it's pitched out there, which isn't to say that, that some of those people don't have some value- um, or that just going to talk to somebody doesn't have value even if you don't like i've gone i've gone to you name it tarot readings card readings all kinds of stuff 4am in the middle of new york i see a sign i've literally done this like whoa okay i'll do that and just the process of doing it was valuable just sitting and talking to a stranger mm-hmm. was valuable i'm wondering do you is there much conversation that goes on is there a lot of back and forth for you do you play the role at all of a counselor, or is it really just you reading and then stating what you feel?
0: It really depends. You know, Mm -hmm. some some people really want to talk a lot. Usually the the way that I begin a session is by asking, first asking permission and then Mm -hmm. asking the person to share the question or questions that they'd like to focus on. And so oftentimes what will happen is People will have an area that they'd like to look at, but they haven't quite honed in on exactly what the question is. So we'll go back and forth a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's a lot of talking. <laughs> sometimes that's like like, you know, five or ten minutes of our session mm-hmm. uh, is really honing in on the questions. And then once we go into the reading itself, I do invite conversation, right? Say I was looking at I was looking at career. Okay. And I saw you on the top of a waterfall.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the water was rushing, and you saw at the bottom, and there was this desire to jump over off the waterfall into the pool at the bottom, but there was a lot of fear. And so then I would sort of look behind like what are the layers of the fear? And so then Mm -hmm. I might pause and say, what, you know, what, what do you want to, is there anything that comes up for you? Okay. And then you might talk about it or do you have, yeah. So the, the way that I see energy is as, Mm -hmm. as pictures in the space so it's like a visualization often i see a lot of nature pictures so Mm -hmm. like nature metaphors are really strong in my sessions Um, but sometimes it'll be like you as like a character or like a like a in in a scene sort of as like um like in a like oh i see you and you're like riding a horse through the woods and there's this interaction that you're having or something like that. That's more specific. Um, but then I, and then I kind of look at, okay, well, how does this relate to the question and what information is here to be seen? And then sometimes that opens into more conversation where I, you know, I share something and then the person's like, whoa, that's so, that's so interesting because, I just was having this conversation with my brother yesterday and that's what we were talking about. Or, Mm -hmm. Oh, like that makes sense because of this thing. Or, Oh, I'm, I don't really understand. Can we like, look at that more or, you know, that it's more conversational. And then sometimes people just aren't interested in talking. They just want to receive Mm -hmm. the information and it really depends on the session.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I get that. When I, when I'm out in public a lot, I see, when I see people, I get visions of, frogs in slowly boiling water, you know, everywhere, <laughs> all over. It's the same vision everywhere I go. <laughs> have,
0: have you talked to anyone about that? <laughs> wanna...
1: So do you ever have podcast hosts try to wheedle like a, a free reading out of you, you know, in the middle of a conversation?
0: Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened yet, but no? I am open to the possibility.
1: Oh yeah? Yeah does not that yeah. be free? I mean, we can, I could try, I can send you a hoodie or something. Super nice club hoodie. We, could do, we can do we can use barter. <laughs> <That's> fair <laughs> barter is definitely part of a nicer world. More barter yeah. is better, you know.
0: I'm a big fan of, of bartering.
1: No, seriously, do you want to, you want to try you, it? I mean, it'd be interesting. Yeah. I think maybe for I don't know. Listeners, you haven't listened to this yet, but I'm gonna to try to use my innate clairvoyant powers to sense whether or not you will find this interesting. So tell me your answer. Will you find this interesting? Oh yeah, most of them 30, 60, yep, it's up to 70, 80, 82 percent said yes. Let's do it.
0: That sounds great, Todd. And clearly you do have an innate ability.
1: Just when it comes to my listeners, I just feel really connected. Yeah, the members can. of the Super Nice Club. Yeah, it's just it only extends to the members of the club. They're my psychic friends network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: great. Well, how do we start? Is, what do we do?
1: Talk to me. Yeah, I, this is so.
0: Yeah. So I will take um, I'll just take a moment to drop into my to my reading space here. And as I do that, I just invite you to take take a minute to do whatever will help you feel a little more grounded, whether that's like take take a drink of water or stretch a little, take a few deep breaths, whatever, whatever will help you to become a little more present. I can do that. Um, And then I will ask for a. A question or area that you'd like to look at. So whatever comes to mind, if you want to be thinking about that too.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Okay. All right. I'll check back in with you in just a moment. Okay, I'm here. All right, Todd, if I have permission to read your energy, could I hear your full name three times, please?
1: Todd Edwin Sorum Brilliant. Todd Edwin Sorum Brilliant. Todd Edwin Sorum Brilliant. That's a lot. I know.
0: Mm, Thank you. Okay Todd, what would you like to look at
1: that's that's the stumper for me um, because <laughs> I, you know I didn't come prepared for this uh, so for me though uh, what it keeps coming down to uh, where I uh, just popped into my head was I, uh, and it's, I wanted to be more interesting for you listeners dang it since we're doing this together uh, but my writing you know I, I, I get hung up a lot on, The amount of time and energy it takes for me to dive into my writing more fully, not just my personal writing, but also my professional writing, um, the script writing, but how much of that I should pursue. I guess I would say pursue without guilt because writing, if you're a writer and you're out there and you're writing for yourself, it takes a lot of time and it doesn't really pay the bills. So it feels very self-indulgent. And there's all sorts of questions around self-doubt. Like, should I even be doing this? You know, am I any good at this? I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But is it, is it what I should be doing with the limited amount of time uh, that I have in this go-round, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I wonder, well, like, you know, will that power up other parts of my life? So is that a fair question? Can I ask about something as small as that? about writing or should I I be asking about like, you know, um, career stuff. I don't know. Career stuff is just boring to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I guess, let me just try to hone in on the specifics of it. So is it the writing, is it resistance to the writing practice that you have that you want to look at? Or is it more about how your writing practice is showing up in your life and how it fits with the other pieces of your life?
1: I think it's more about giving myself permission to call myself a writer. Uh, um, it, it's more about that. It's more about, is that really what I am? Or I mean, is that really not what I am? But is that really a part of me that is going to be a key focus in my life? Yeah. Or is it just a dream and it's time to let it go?
2: And that's okay
1: too. Like, I've learned that that's okay too, because, you know, the neat thing about letting something go is it makes room for other things.
0: So, your question is whether whether to let go or to. Yeah, I guess there we go. In on, yeah. on your writing as yeah. a core piece of what you're doing
1: in the world. And I really do believe that I'm okay with either direction. And if you're listening out there, you might think, well, that should be the answer. If you're okay with letting it go, then. You know, you're not fully committed to it, or uh, maybe I'm not okay with it. Maybe I'm just saying that because I want to sound um, open. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Well, let's be, let's just take a look at how how you're writing, or this I, this identity as a writer. Mm-hmm. This, like it looks like that identity as a writer. Really, how that shows up in your space. I'm gonna start by looking at. Where that shows up here, <laughs> so it's interesting. Like the first picture that pops up is, um, it's like a sort of like Shakespearean looking character. It's like very uh, sort of old old time with like a feathery quill and like a ink pot and there's this like writer like I am a writer like that there's this um this presentation of it that's very it looks like it's very old like that there's Hmm. this very old feeling to it that's um that's also there's looks like there's some judgment on this picture of it being sort of frivolous um like the The character that I'm seeing in this picture is, is um, has like a frivolous energy to him. And it looks like there is this, like this judgment uh, in your space of what, what it is to be a writer. And then, ooh, yeah. Like who gets to be a writer? Like that permission piece coming in of, mm, yeah, like, the question that comes in is like, who am I to be a writer? If it is this sort of, as you said in your question, indulgent, this mm-hmm. ju- judgment of it being an indulgent practice. Right. So let me see. Um, like, where is this judgment coming from? Mm. Yeah, it looks like there's this belief. I'm seeing in your space about what, what it means to dedicate your time to this craft without knowing what will come of it. Hmm. There's some piece around certainty of impact and like wanting to have the greatest impact in the, on the world in your lifetime. So there's this, this real desire in you to to transform the conditions of the world in the ways that you are able to in your in your own unique way in this lifetime. And so it looks like some of that judgment comes from this uncertainty of using your time in the best way that you can. But what I'm seeing here, yeah, so first of all, just to validate your deep desire to, to contribute. To contribute to the world. And also there's this recognition that art and writing do contribute. <laughs> that that the practice of creation is a contribution uh, to, to the world. And so it looks like there is this opportunity for you to really own your writing as a way that you are contributing to to see it in alignment with your purpose uh, and really validate the path that you're on as it relates to your writing.
1: Yeah. That's fair. That, that, that's very fair. Uh, so far analysis, the uncertainty of how best, am I supposed to feed back in real time? I don't yeah. know how this works. Oh, okay. Feedback in script, I, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, you know, uh, skeptics out there might say, but if you feedback, you give her more information to go on and then it's going to be more closer to the truth. No, I think the uncertainty of how best to use it, how best to contribute, that's been a paralyzing element for me, right? Is it um, through, you know, you can use writing to make a lot of money right? And with that money, you can do stuff. Or do you use writing to tell the stories that need to be told in our times, irrespective of whether or not you feel that there's going to be anybody reading them? Uh, Or do you use writing to have dialogue, your writing skills to have dialogue with others uh, to contribute to the world? And you're not really storytelling, but you're an active part of the story that's unfolding in the contemporary world whether that's reporting or blogging or opinion pieces or uh, things like that. Um, These are the questions and uh, you, you, you stare at the fork and you don't go down any of the roads.
0: Yeah. So it's like, that's where the paralysis comes in for you is like, it looks like you have the skill, but the question is where to apply it. Right. Consistently. And it's also
1: fun to try it all. You know, it's fun to do it all, to dabble in this and dabble in that. But again, we get back to that that specialist thing. Are you going to be a script writer? Are you going to write films? Are you going to write uh, books? Are you going to write short stories? Like, what is the thing that you're going to do? So many choices.
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting here because the, like, as you're talking about these, all these choices, it's like, I'm seeing almost like a, it's like all these sort of tendrils crossing each other and tangling up with each other. And it's almost like, it's like the weaving that you could be making is tangled up in the number of different kinds of threads that don't necessarily work together, Mm where it's the having some structure to it of just choosing one way or choosing a few ways that are complementary, where you have a lot of passion, allow for this weaving, it's like the loom itself that organizes the threads. Um, But the structure itself of saying, yes, I'm going to say yes to this kind of writing or this practice is what then allows for the weaving to happen of the different threads. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, no, what, it, like it, yeah. what is the loom for you is sort of the, the sort of invitation for you to reflect on.
1: I think a lot of us can relate to choice paralysis, no matter what it, mm-hmm. where it presents in our lives the solution to choice paralysis is often you know gather information if you need to but it's ultimately it's make a choice <laughs> it's ultimately is you, you know you pick you pick one um, and 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 don't be afraid to pick the wrong one right like intellectually i know these things and i've practiced them uh, in different areas of my life Numerous times when I hit choice paralysis, I'm not afraid. I'll just make a choice. I'll go down that road. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, awesome, because now I get to go do another one. With writing, though, knowing all these things, this is the area where I struggle repeatedly to implement them, even though I can implement the solution to choice paralysis in other parts of my life. And I've gotten pretty good at it, I will say. You know, I think I have, but not with this. Thing and it drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. And just talking it out right now makes me feel like, ah, remember when you applied it here, 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 and here? All you got to do, buddy, is apply it here. Whether or not I do moving forward, I don't know, but I definitely feel like just the little tidbits of what you saw reminded me of a conversation I've had with myself a few times. You know, now I didn't remember having it until we started to talk again. So Mm -hmm. Where's the value there? Uh, The value there for me is that I've already been reminded of something that now I'm feeling like, ah, yeah, God, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick this one. And I know which one I'm going to pick. Like I know which project I'm going to pick because I have a number of projects in my mind and I've been leaning towards it the past few days. Now I talk to you. I'm like, okay, that's the one I'm going to go down. Will it stick? Or will I find myself at this choice paralysis again, 30 days from now? I don't know, but at least I've, I've been kicked in the ass a little bit right now to make that choice. Is that because you're a great uh, counselor and you took the information that was in front of you, or is it because you had a vision that unlocked that, that view for both of us? I don't know, but I do know the end result is the same. Okay. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. So that's
2: the high
1: value. So there's, there is absolute value there, whether you're a skeptic or not folks like I'm a skeptic of clairvoyance. I just had a five minute conversation that made my head go poof. Yes. Okay. That. Exactly. So well done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. And like the last thing that I'll offer uh, is that, you know, just to validate your own information, right? Like that you Mm -hmm. just came to your own recognition of the, the ability that you have to make a choice and the clarity that you have and, and the sort of the the picture of the, the loom and how the pieces, how the threads are, le- are weaving themselves together. Oh, it's that so good. That, that's a question for you of like, what is the container that will allow you to weave the threads together in your right as a writer in your mm-hmm. writing life? Like what is the container for that, that will allow you to continue to weave and that's your sort of takeaway reflection question I invite you to, to sort of sit with that, that the, the container itself can be the, the powerful place to come back and just see again and again. And I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of, a lot of tools at your disposal, but that that, uh, that that loom is a place to look of like, okay, well, what is, what, what is holding Holding the weaving that you're doing in your writing work, that even when you come to those places of decision paralysis, you can come back to the practice of that. What Mm -hmm. container of what's holding you?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll work on it. I tell you that. (laughs) 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 I'll work on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and just and just inviting a little. Of permission and and acceptance of where you are in your journey, um, just to just to offer yourself some some ease when you're in those moments of of judgment or question, deep questioning decision paralysis, um, that you you do you do have the knowledge you do have wisdom inside of yourself to make the choice. I think it's yeah.
1: It's probably also the area where I'm most afraid to fail. It's probably that obvious, you know, uh, because it's the nearest and and dearest to me. Um, but, you know, I, I I've, I've failed so many times. <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to fail in this one specific area. Isn't that funny? I want to take a quick look. I, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. You, you gave me that. Uh, you gave me that part uh, of you. Uh, just now. So I do appreciate it. I really do. And the offer for the hoodie stands. It really does. Um, yeah, where you. do people who are interested in how do they get a hold of you? I, we're going to have all the links in the show notes, but if, they, if they're like, hey, that sounds interesting, I'd like to have a quick reading. I'm stuck on a certain thing. Is that at sacredmirrorshealing.com?
0: That's right. That's where to okay. find me. Okay. You can also find me on Instagram at, at sacredmirrorshealing.
1: We're going to go to your Instagram page right now. Thanks for the segue for our our quick little latest Instagram post, like to just kind of spy on in real time, publicly. I don't know if it's spying. Peek in on our guest's Instagram page. Um, So Instagram.com, Sacred Mirrors Healing. Let's click. Okay. So Monica's latest post is a self-profile known these days to the kids as a selfie well, I mean, maybe not. Somebody else could have been taking the photo. You are in front of what looks like an oak tree and smiling. Oh, wow. Okay. This looks like Sonoma County, but it's not. There's there's multiple photos here. Then there's a beautiful just vista of grass and oaks and blue skies and clouds. Ground Okay. And then the third one is you're leading me along the path here. I get it. I clicked again. Uh, grounding into 2022 with Monica Canfield Lenfest and Emily Ruth arrive as you are in the new year, January 23rd. That's going to be passed by the time people hear this. Darn it. What? Okay. But that's okay. What was it? What was this uh, grounding 2022 link? What happened um, there?
0: Yeah. So we, um, Emily Ruth is an Ayurvedic counselor and a mm. uh, restorative yoga teacher. And so we are teaming up uh, to offer a 90 minute session uh, over zoom to allow people to sort of ground into 2022. It'll be a combination of restorative yoga and guided visualization meditation to really support people in getting a little more present in their lives for the new year.
1: Is that something that will be repeated beyond uh, January or you, you just feeling this one out?
0: I usually teach a new year's workshop and this is okay. that one. Um, but the next, the next workshop that I'll be teaching on zoom will, um, probably be my energetic boundaries workshop that I teach. Um, it's also 90 minutes. Um, I don't have a date scheduled yet, but probably in the next couple of months, if you check my website, it'll be up there for the, the spring.
1: Okay, cool. Um, if you're listening and you're just thinking, ah, uh, energetic workshop, I don't, that's not my thing. You're the person most of all that should do this. Honest to God, this is like getting into something a little bit uncomfortable and stretching your skin. Do it. Try a workshop. I don't know. If, if you do one, I like to guarantee our guests, um, if they're authors, you know, we will buy the book back from you. If you do one of Monica's workshops and you're like, this sucked, I've just totally hated it lame, boo. Well, that's, you know, that's a bummer, but we'll send you a shirt. We'll send you a super nice club shirt, uh, as a, geez, sorry, man. Bummer. Uh, we'll send you it as part of like a guarantee. All right. So take one of Monica's workshops with full confidence at the very least, you'll get a free shirt out of it. All right. Honor system. Okay. Just, this is all in the honor system. Just email us and, uh, we'll do it. What do you think? That
0: sounds great. Try it out. Yeah, just try it out. Your yeah. listeners in one of my upcoming workshops or, <laughs> or come, you know, or schedule a session with me. I do 30 minute intro sessions with folks. If you want to just get a taste, Todd was, you were a great, uh, great sample <laughs> here for people to get a sense of, but if, you know, if you wanted to do a 30 minute session with me, it's easy to sign up, just schedule on my website and um, look at, look at something you want to get clear on and, 2022.
1: And also take a look at architecting curiosity. If you want to do a deeper dive, something, a workshop that will uh, give you tools to carry through the rest of your life. If you're feeling like, God, you know, I could really use something like that. I I highly recommend taking a look at architecting curiosity. Uh, their workshop may be closed by the time you listen to this, because the next one starts on February 7th, but that's okay. Sign up to the mailing list, Uh, can they bang on the walls? Like, Hey, I know it's only four days, but can we let me in or is it going to be closed by then?
0: Uh, You know, if they, if, if you hear this on the third and you sign up by the fourth or the fifth, then we can certainly let you in.
1: Awesome. Okay, great. Well, the majority of the listens happen in the first 48 hours of the podcast anyway. So um, hopefully something will, will happen there. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the reading. Thanks for, for, um, inviting us into what you're doing you know what you're up to we really need connectivity so however I, I like how you started this Monica I like how you know you just talked about something is as, as obvious as connecting with the self before we can connect with others and it's super it's super true we you know we say help ourselves before we help others connect with ourselves before we connect with others uh, but don't be selfish about it folks once you've connected with yourself don't forget to do the rest which is connecting with others, obviously.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Todd. It's been, it's been a joy to get to talk to you today and um, be, in your, be in your ears.
1: And Anthony, thanks again. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Anthony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there you have it, a super nice conversation with healer, clairvoyant and all around super nice human being. I hope you enjoyed our talk. I hope uh, you find something of interest in there. Maybe a moment of reflection that uh, hit you, that improved your day. Just listening to somebody else kind of have it out in a in a psychic reading., uh, it's interesting how much of that is really counseling and how gifted one needs to be in order to help someone reflect on their own knowledge that for whatever reason they've been ignoring or not paying enough attention to, right? That alone is real valuable to me, was for me. And it's something that uh, I'm recording this outro a week later, and I have reflected quite a bit on the conversation that I had with Monica over that time. And it's, it's stuck. It's stuck. So I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a fan. What can I say? Uh, check out the show notes to learn more about what Monica's up to at uh, architectingcuriosity.com, at SacredMirrorsHealing.com. Her Instagram page. If you're interested in that Kids of Trans resource guide, there'll be a link to that there as well. As always, a whole lot of gratitude here from the team at Super Nice Club. It's not just me. I know it sounds like it because I'm the only voice you hear, but there's a team here uh, for listening to these podcasts, for helping us get the word about these podcasts, for sharing them with people, even just one other person or a pet, you know, tarantula. Do you have a, anybody out there own a pet tarantula? I never, I've never seen a pet tarantula except for in a pet shop, and that always made me feel kind of sad. Uh, they just seem like they should be able to crawl across entire deserts, like, except then in a Paul Bowles you know, novel or something, or movie. I mean, they made a movie out of Sheltering Sky, but it wasn't a good movie. Anyway, uh, pet stores, tarantulas, what was I talking about? Oh, you helping out the podcast by sharing it. It's deeply appreciated. Being a member of the club, deeply appreciated. Hey, how about being a member of our book club? We have members all around the U.S. who have started up chapters for the Super Nice Club book club. That's on our website. Check it out. Uh, And that's it. Our next guest is Tim Parr, the founder, owner, superhero of Caddis Eye Appliances. Check that out. That will be two weeks from this one on a Tuesday as always. Love you. Stay nice, everyone. (laughs)
3: If you wanted to be nicer, then you could lend a helping hand If you wanted to be nicer, then you could see your neighbor's band To be nicer, then you could put away your clothes. If you wanted to be nicer, you can teach everything you know. And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice. Is that you just become ten percent more nice? And all we ask is that you just become ten percent more nice? And all we ask is that you just become ten percent more.
2: So what? Big deal.